Well, hello everyone. We're back here today for another of our podcast episodes of the RLC Sermon Chat. I'm here with Pastor Steve today. Hi, he's, Kelly. <laughs> he's going to ask questions and I'm going to attempt to answer them for you. Yeah, we've traded seats and so <laughs> I get to be the one who's um, inquisitive and talking to the preacher because he had a great sermon on Sunday, which we all appreciate and looking forward to unfolding a little bit about uh, and learning a little bit about um, walking in the knowledge of Christ. So thanks for having me. Well, <laughs> thanks for being here. <laughs> and the name change. We're name RLC change. Sermon Chat instead of RLC Sermon Talk. What happened? What happened? Yeah. Well, last week when we were video yeah. taping the, the uh, episode... Um, we had to do a second start because ah, we yeah. had a little bit of a mix-up, if you remember. And the first time you said RLC Sermon Talk, and uh, then the second time you said RLC Sermon Chat. So I see. That's what we went with. So we, yeah, so <laughs> apparently I have more power than I recognize because in one statement that I didn't even mean to make. You know, yeah, um, yeah Sermon Chat. I like Sermon Chat. I, yeah, that was not some kind of... Uh, you know, way to sabotage the podcast at all. But I think maybe it came from family chat when I we were so. doing it on Facebook during the pandemic anyway. Yep. I think, I think so. still trying to shed some of that baggage. <laughs> <laughs> we still, as Amanda said last week, some PTSD in that regard. Yeah. Anyway, it's bit. good to be here on RLC Sermon Chat yes, with you it today. Is. Thank you. Good. Glad to be here with you too. So I'm the one that's going to be asking questions today of you, and we did get one question, so we're moving up. That's 100% better than we did last week. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and just a reminder to those of you who are getting involved in the podcast and listening maybe or on our YouTube channel, watching as well, we are receiving questions after the sermon. So you can keep your yellow slip while you're in worship until after the sermon and you can write your sermon question there or on monday kelly's sending out a grapevine that's right. our congregational email yeah. that goes out to the to the folks in our congregation and you should be receiving that and that'll give you a clickable link to a form on uh, church community builder which is our online database and you can ask your question there or, as always, friends, you could call the church office. We write down your question. You can pop in and ask your question. You can send a text and ask your question. I'm not sure we're, during winter, really able to receive um, homing pigeons. Is that a thing now? Because <laughs> we can do that in the summer. It's very yeah. effective in our day Be a little age. too cold for them right now. Yeah, I think so, too. So, get your questions to us, please. Yes. Which, then leads me to our first question and that is as a preacher we talked about last week the question really for us is not what am I going to preach about although that's important but really given the text and then my background and my study of the text and my preparatory work what am I going to leave out mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor my question is is there anything off the cutting room floor that you would like to now, in this extended amount of time, 
pass on to us or talk about. And we can talk about that together. So of sure. that stuff that's laying there that you wish, man, I could just, I wish I had 45 minutes instead of 20 <laughs> minutes right. that you'd like to share now. Right. Honestly, I, this probably could have almost been uh, a two-hour sermon <laughs> in a lot of ways because there were a lot of different things in the passage from Isaiah. Um, and so it was hard to really spend a whole lot of time on any one of those things. I think, um, looking back, it would have been nice to take more time perhaps with each of the different steps of how to walk in the knowledge of Christ. Mm, yeah. Maybe most specifically, um, what it looks like to have the mind of Christ. Yeah, I right, think that's good. You know, we hear that phrase in scripture, we have the mind of Christ, um, but it's kind of hard to maybe in everyday terms consider what that means. Yeah, and you used a couple of passages there. So just to write, remind those of you who were here on Sunday or live streaming or watched the sermon on our YouTube channel, Kelly was talking about how to walk in the knowledge of Christ, and she gave us really five things to consider. And the first was uh, know that we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Know whose you are. That was my favorite point. And so since I'm asking the questions today, we're going to spend some time there. <laughs> okay. There are benefits. And by the way, remember, this seat is open every week. Right. We would love to have one of you sitting here. I heard yesterday from council member Brandon Wheeler uh -huh. that he's going to be coming in in the next couple of weeks. So great. that should be a hoot. Great. That'll be fun. Uh, we would like to hear from our council members. The third point you made was have the mind of Christ. And then the fourth point, know and fear the Lord. The last point was remember the hope we have in God. So you're referencing point number three, have the mind of Christ. And then the two passages you read from were 1 Corinthians 2, 16, mm -hmm. for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Paul seems there to say that we may or may not need to do anything right. to have the mind of Christ. Can you put some flesh on those bones for us a little bit? Because what is he getting at there? <laughs> well, um, in my mind, what he's getting at is that uh, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah, right. Who does know and have the mm. mind of Christ. And so, therefore, is able to uh, give us that knowledge, that understanding, that wisdom that Christ has um, simply by being in us and being in our lives and that we are able to access that by mm -hmm. our time that we spend with the Lord, by the time that we spend in his word, by the time that mm -hmm. um, we take to listen to the Holy Spirit um, yeah. who is in us. Yeah. I, what I was thinking of when you were preaching, and, and by the way, I thought it was a great sermon. Thank you. That I was, my, mind, my mind went to uh, Romans 12 mm -hmm. and verse 2, where Paul says, Be transformed by the renewing yeah. of your 
mind. mind. Yep. And I thought, as you made this point from First Corinthians, I think Paul uh, tips his hand a little bit and gives us a little more. Mm-hmm. Paul says here, we have the mind of Christ. But in Romans 12, we have the mind of Christ as he renews our own mind. And this yeah. is a transformative work mm-hmm. that, as you said, I think, is lived out vis-a-vis the spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. prayer, Bible study, silence and solitude, listening to the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes we think, well, I've got to renew my mind, or I have to do something to have the mind of Christ. But that's mm-hmm. not really accurate, don't you think? Right, yeah. 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 The second verse you <laughs> talked about there was in Romans fifteen five. May the God who gives endurance, endurance, endurance hello, it's English, mm-hmm. and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again. I think in Romans 15, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, and as I referenced from Romans 12, the mind of Christ is really a gift of the Lord and received then by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then that mind of Christ, there's a, there's a personal application, but in Romans 15, there seems to be a corporate application of the mind of Christ which leads us to unity mm-hmm. so uh, without getting into this uh, I think maybe in too much depth or delving into like Star Trek um, science fiction uh, okay I'm going to nerd out here for a minute uh, with the with the Borg uh, do you remember this is a collective I, yes, mind? Yes, yes, I do. Um, without saying that we have a collective mind, because we don't, although that's fun sci-fi, we do have a mind that is unified in Christ Jesus. So what, is, what does Paul mean there, and what, is, what does that look like for the, for the church? Okay, that's a, that's a great question, Steve. Um, I'm thinking about that when we have that um, mind of Christ as a church, that we have, obviously, Christ to follow as our example of how we're living our lives together and the ways that we're relating to um, each other. And then um, we also, that also makes for better unity within the church to yeah, where we're, yeah. we're, um, we're doing things together. We're worshiping Christ together. We're, mm-hmm. we're, um, living out these characteristics yeah. of who Christ is together. Um, which, which, which is good news. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. It, it's good news in that, you know, oftentimes we ask ourselves as a church, church leaders, what, what are we supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. And I think your point is well taken that, well, we are to be focusing on Jesus. Yeah. And when we have the mind of Christ, we stay in that let's focus on Jesus space and we don't get drawn out to stuff that's less important. Right. Yeah, great. 
So, so you're thinking there along the lines maybe of things like where we have denominational differences, where yeah, we can good. get into different mm -hmm. spaces and maybe even arguments sometimes about things that aren't as important as where we're following Christ or how we're following Christ. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, I think that sometimes, and I think denominationalism is in many ways a thing of the past, because we're focusing on Christ and the unity therein. But, you know, one church will be really excited about overseas missions. One church will be very excited about doing local food banks or taking care of the homeless in their community. Another church will emphasize spiritual gifts. Another church will exercise traditional liturgy like us. Mm -hmm. When we have the mind of Christ, we can have differences and still be unified in the one mind in our Savior. Right. And that's a gift to the church so that we aren't fractured. I mean, one of the things Paul speaks very definitively and deliberately about is that there are to be no dissensions and factions in the church. And yet, denominationalism kind of does set us up to be in relationships of dissension and factions. Sure. Whereas what you were mentioning a moment ago, one church being focused on mission, one church being focused on food pantries or that kind of thing, that's all part of the same body and all different parts working together for the same purpose. Then everything gets done. Yeah. And God uses us in our, uh, in our context and in our churches to make sure one church isn't alike like the other churches so yeah. that everything that needs to be done in the kingdom gets done in the kingdom right that's great the other thing i was thinking of was that um as as a group as a church together um this having the same mind of christ also keeps us accountable to mm, good. um the things that we're doing whether in the church, whether individually, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that we're staying accountable, that we're sticking to the mm -hmm. things that Jesus taught us and the things that he would have us do in our lives. Right. One of the questions that I ask of myself, uh, rarely do I ask it out loud of others, although oftentimes I'm tempted, <laughs> is... You know, with where you're thinking or with your current attitude or with what you're considering doing, I ask, what does this have to do with Jesus? Mm -hmm. And question. that's a good question to ask of myself. Not a great question to ask of others necessarily. <laughs> it could come across defensive. Yeah. But if, you know, that's really, I think, where this accountability comes in what does we need to be asking each other and ourselves name it what does this have to do with jesus like this might be a super great idea but what does it have to do with jesus right. so having this like-mindedness that's rooted centered in christ helps us to be accountable to the to the god things and the things christ is doing in our lives I, you know, my mantra is it's all about Jesus. And part of the reason I have that and a big plaque on my wall is to remind myself it is all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
And if this thing we want to do, or if my attitude, or if my consideration or thoughts aren't having anything to do with Jesus, then we gotta we gotta backtrack and start right. over. Right. Okay, Kaylee, let's shift gears a little bit here. Okay. I said before, as I was reading one of your five points on how to walk in the knowledge of Christ, that my favorite point that you made was point number two there, and that was know whose you are. And you used Matthew chapter 3. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I've, you know, I've taken that verse kind of as a life verse for me that these are words that Jesus speaks to each of us as the children of God. And then you quoted from John 1 and verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What does it do in a believer's life? How does one respond? How does it affect? And you can even talk about this maybe more importantly, personally, when you consider that you are God's child, that you are a daughter of the king. Mm -hmm. Um, When did you first learn that concept? Was there somebody that poured into you, that 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 reminded you regularly that you're a daughter of the king? Um, you know, when did that happen? And then, how does it help shape your faith in life? Hmm. Who? Well, first of all, hmm. um, I think, you know, I went. To, I grew up going to Sunday school, so I remember yeah. hearing that even from a child, but I don't think that I really connected with it until I was an adult, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And Pastor Karen was Mm. really one who helped me a lot with that. Yeah, Um, Pastor, you're talking about Pastor Pastor, Karen Gardner, who's with the Lord now, a longtime pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church here in Richland, and um, when they merged with us years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We miss her dearly. Yeah, so what, we what, definitely do. What's, what was it? Talk about what Karen, how Karen communicated that with you. Well, so. That made a lasting Yeah. Impression. Yeah. So I went on a uh, walk with Christ weekend, which was mm-hmm. a, a great retreat, retreat weekend. And one of the things they talked to us about that weekend mm-hmm. was that we were princesses. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, as the daughter yeah. of the king. The daughter of God, and um, when I came back from that weekend, Pastor Karen picked that up as a nickname for me. She started calling mm. me Princess all the time, oh, and it was that. her way of reminding me, "You know whose you are. Yeah. You know that you are God's daughter, and that you yeah. are precious in His sight." And uh, that really meant a lot to me. And it was always a constant reminder yeah. of that concept. That, what that. What a great story. You know, I think in my life there are several men who have and continue to remind me whose I am. Mm -hmm. And it's a great reminder for us also that we get to proclaim this truth to others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just wonder um, to whom are we communicating? Yeah. So how does that shape your... and I, I think it's so typical. Yes, we, we hear a lot as kids, but we don't quite receive it. And we certainly, I think, don't receive it as our own. Right. Me? Me, Lord? That 
Yeah. <laughs> that I'm a, a son or I'm a daughter, or I'm a, a princess or a prince. Um, but once we receive that and take it in, how does that shape the rest of life and faith? Because I've found that it really does. It really does. How does that work in your life? Well, I think you connect to that relationship between a parent and a child mm-hmm. is typically yeah. a pretty close one, right? Yep. You you know that that's someone you can rely on. You know that that's someone who loves you unconditionally. Yeah. And when we are able to see ourselves in that kind of a relationship with God, we see that love for us yeah. that is beyond anything else we know. Yeah. We have that connection with him as our father, who is someone that we can always trust and rely on. And it, it mm. helps, for me, it just helps keep me going every day. Right? Yeah. That yeah. I know that there is there is. There is someone who loves me no matter what happens, mm-hmm. and I can always turn to him in every situation. Yeah, that's great. So what do you say to somebody who didn't have a positive experience with their father right. or their mother or their parental uh, unit? I, you know, That's such a hard one, it's isn't a, it? <laughs> it's super tough. It's very difficult, uh, and I grew up in a in a loving, healthy home, and yet we still had dysfunction. Sure. So what do we say to the person who had a lot of dysfunction or grew up in an unhealthy home or someone who had an abusive father? Mm -hmm. What do we say to that person when we start considering that we are children of our Heavenly Father? I know you've come across this before, yeah. So, what have you what have you said? What what have you found to be helpful to those who might be in that space today? Yeah, that's that's a hard that's a hard question for folks, and we, and we know there are people that have had difficult relationships with their parents or their their father, in particular, as yeah. we're thinking of our heavenly Father, and um, you know the the difference is that God is. Mm-hmm. Perfect. God is oh, always yeah. loving. God is um, sees us, yep. you know, as His child all the time. Yes. Right. There's no um, there's no fear there of how He's going to respond to us. Whereas there might be with a an you know a human father who yep. Yep. has his own issues or his problems that. Yeah make our relationships difficult. I think that's true. You know, Kelly, uh, as human persons, we are, we are trapped by our sin. Paul mm. talks about that. Yeah. Uh, we, we live in a world that's broken. Yeah. We live in a world where God gives us free will and choice. But God is different. I like the word you use there. God is different. God is not like our father god is not like our mother mm-hmm. uh, maybe in the best ways he is mm-hmm. but most certainly he's different and what i've found to be helpful is you know whatever i called my father whether it's father or dad or daddy i think what i do with folks is choose another name for god mm-hmm. so that in your mind and in your talk you're speaking 
of two different beings. Oftentimes we, uh, we amalgamate, we conflate the God of the universe, our Father, and mm. the uh, father of our home or mm. of our yeah. childhood. So I say, choose, yeah. if you called your dad, dad, choose uh, to call God, here's one, <laughs> uh, daddy in Aramaic, which is Abba. Abba. Yes. And that's what Jesus, so I, I've gotten in the habit of calling our heavenly father, Abba. Mm-hmm. And that's simply to, li- listen, my dad's great, still alive. He's going to be 90 in February, wow. believe it or not. Wow. Um, and I call him dad, but to differentiate, to make sure that I'm not bringing any of that uh, other baggage to bear, I call my father, either father, mm-hmm. which I never called my dad, or Abba. And there's a sweetness like to that. that. I think yeah. I think we can uh, differentiate between our heavenly father and earthly father so that we're clear in our minds. But that's right. a, that is a tough one. Right. As we're talking, I'm thinking about um, a psalm, and I cannot remember the address for it at the moment. But that's okay. We have Google. Yeah. (laughs) It talks about you know even though our mother or father might Mm -hmm. um, back away from us or fall away from us or abandon us in one way or another. Right. God never will. God never will. God never will. Yep. So making a clear distinction between the two. All right, can we shift gears again? Absolutely. All right, we did receive a question this week. Yay, thank you. You know who you are. We won't mention your name. And by the way, maybe that's why some of you are not asking questions. Uh, We will maintain confidence with full anonymity. So do not worry. We're just asking the question. We're not going to say that you asked the question. But for our question of, of the day, we thank you know who you are. <laughs> so, right. what what was that so question? The question was it had to do with our uh, gospel reading this week in yeah. Matthew. Yeah. And if you remember, that reading was uh, regarding John the Baptist and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And John yep. made the comment that he baptizes with water. Right. There was one who would come that would baptize with the Spirit and fire. Yes. And the question yes. had yep. to do with the difference between mm-hmm. those baptisms. Yeah. Baptism of water and baptism of spirit and fire. That's good. And I'll refer you, um, the listener, to my sermon on baptism as we worked our way through yeah. the Nicene Creed. Just a few weeks ago. Yeah. So it's not, it's easy to find on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, I, I, I addressed that question in the sermon, um, I think, adequately. Uh, so, f- f- what's going on here? First, it, Matthew writes uh, that Jesus said, I, I will, or no, that John the Baptist said, he will baptize, correct? Yeah. That yes. he will baptize with, that John himself baptizes with water. water. Mm-hmm. He will baptize with Spirit and fire. And that's mm-hmm. different than the other Gospels, the synoptics. So that would be Mark and Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say that um, John the Baptist said, I baptize with water. He will baptize with water and the Spirit. So Spirit and fire 
are not t two different things here. What Matthew is doing, because remember, Matthew writes to a predominantly Jewish audience. Mm -hmm. So what Matthew is saying is that Jesus will baptize with water and the Spirit, but he also includes fire. But fire typified the typology of the Spirit. So if you think about the Old Testament, when the Spirit was active, for instance, when the people are, are traversing the desert of Israel, mm -hmm. God led them with the pillar of cloud and fire. That's God's Spirit giving direction. When Moses was at the bush, as God called him to go to Egypt and speak to the Pharaoh about releasing the Israelites. The bush was, the bush was what? Burning. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's fire. So there's many uh, analogies of fire that are used in the Old Testament mm -hmm. to, de to depict uh, spirit or the Holy Spirit. So Matthew, writing to a Jewish audience, writes fire, might even be prefiguring Pentecost where the Spirit comes, uh, accounted for in Acts chapter 2, uh, and as the Spirit comes, there were tongues as of fire that rested mm -hmm. above those who were speaking by the Spirit. So it's not two different things. Jesus is not going to baptize by water, Spirit, and a third thing, fire. It's not a fire baptism. No, it's the water and the Spirit. One. Mm -hmm. Two. We have John baptizing with water, and this is not uncommon in first century Judaism. In fact, there were ritualistic uh, places to bathe. We catch up with uh, Jesus and um, a paraplytic that's at the pool of Siloam. So there, there are these ritualistic bathing ponds. So people would bathe to make themselves clean. It, it was a way of repenting. Mm -hmm. And that's why John says, I baptize with water for repentance. repentance. This yeah. what, John didn't create baptism. This isn't a new thing. John was just baptizing, helping people ritualistically repent mm -hmm. and cleanse themselves of their sins. Uh, John then differentiates that baptism from the baptism Jesus brings, which is both water and the Spirit. Mm -hmm. The question, I think, is getting at timing. And so, baptism, um, as it is written in Scripture, is encouraged, we are led to be baptized by both water and the Spirit. But there are times we see in Scripture where only where someone is only baptized by water. There are other times we see that somebody is only baptized by Spirit. They don't always happen at the same time in Scripture. So I think we generally think and believe, and I think it's true, that they happened at the same time, but not always. Mm -hmm. So whether and how and when, I mean, those are all 
now we're getting off into the kind of the stuff on the sides, as Luther has said, uh, adiaphora. Now this is the place where we hold each other accountable and say, nope, Jesus is still the main thing, and we mm -hmm. want to keep the main thing the main thing. So uh, whether baptism happens by water or spirit, and when that happens, we don't want to get wrapped up in all that business. Um, and again, would refer you to my sermon. We just don't have time today to get through all <laughs> right. of that. Right. So um, one of the question that questions that remains then is, does the baptism of Jesus confer salvation? And I, I think, you know, both of us talked to the member who asked the question. I think mm -hmm. this was part of the heart of that question right. is, what if someone's not baptized by water and they die? Are yeah. they condemned um, to be sorted with the goats <laughs> instead of the sheep? Or are they counted amongst the sheep? And this is where I think we can say clearly and definitively, especially as, as Lutherans in our theology, that no, baptism does not confer salvation. Mm -hmm. um, if that was the case, well, I should say in and of itself, but there has to be some belief there. If that was the case, then I, I've said this often, I would just go with some of my fire buddies on the back of uh, one of their engines and spray everybody in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. And you're baptized. And you're baptized, and you have now, because you have received, because baptism has been conferred upon you. No, that's not true. There has to be an element of faith. Now, mm -hmm. when that faith comes, how much faith is needed, we're not going to get into all of that. Right. But um, we know that baptism as a sacrament, as an act, even if you believe it's only an ordinance, does not confer salvation. So there are many cases, I believe, that um, someone has come to faith by the power of the Holy Spirit and has received salvation. The other thing is the Bible is clear on how salvation comes. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2, we know this. <laughs> by, by grace, grace through, through faith. faith. Yep. Um, and that doesn't presuppose baptism. Mm -hmm. um, we are encouraged to be baptized um, we are uh, I don't know if I would use as strong a, a word as we are commanded to be baptized but it's part of the normative process of sanctification mm -hmm. growing in Christ so I think to get to the heart of that question that is asked you know do we need spirit baptism and water baptism. Uh, the better question is, what did Jesus ask us to do? Uh, not what are the minimum requirements to go to the good place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we know we are saved by grace through faith. Mm -hmm. Scripture is clear on that. When it comes to baptism by water and the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, do it. So we do it. Right. And then, that's kind of where I stay and focus. Now, if you're of the Catholic faith, your theology does say one must be baptized with water in order to be saved. That's why 
Well, let me share a story. Okay. I was uh, visiting, this is many, 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 many years back, about the time that I was, Jeanette and I started to have kids. So we're talking, um, Zeke just turned 23 on uh, about a week ago mm -hmm. on the 1st. Nathan's going to be, can you believe it, 21 wow. on the next week. Wow. So this is, this is probably 23 to certainly 25 years ago. And I was uh, making visits in the hospital down in Southern California where I was pastoring. And I saw a friend of mine, we went to high school together and he was there with his wife. And um, she had just had a miscarriage. Mm. And it, I mean, it was such a, a serendipitous meeting. God had arranged and anointed and appointed for us. And so I went in and we prayed together. He's a, he's a great, great man of God and um, practices the Catholic tradition. Well, while I was there, their priest came in mm -hmm. and baptized that um, child that had been miscarried. So I, I took, not at the time, <laughs> I took a lot of time later, weeks later, and, and asked what was that about and, you know, what do you believe in? He said, no, you know, water baptism is a mark of salvation, confers salvation. Mm. And so um, the priest came to baptize this child so that this child might be saved. Now, that's not our theology, yeah. but we have to be, we, we can't be too quick to judge there. Not, that's not what I'm encouraging. But just we should recognize that there are a lot of differing opinions when it comes to baptism. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. gosh, man, we... we we went, that was way too much. Probably you probably fall asleep at this point. But you know uh, what a what a gift it is. We can talk theology and talk more about. It. So we were grateful for the question. Thank you yeah, to absolutely. you know who you are, yep. and we look forward to more questions as well. So uh, yeah, I I think that's it okay. as we wrap up. Well, so this week we look forward to hearing you. Mm. Um, share about walking in the joy of Christ. Yeah. I, the sermon's already written, which is new <laughs> for me. Uh, well, I should say not new, but not, not typical. Uh, we, the offices were closed on Monday. Right. So I Snow took day. the opportunity <laughs> to, to, to write my sermon on Monday to do the background and prep work. So, mm -hmm. It's it's together. It's gonna change before Sunday. That's the good part of just writing an outline. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited about preaching this sermon on joy, and I think Kelly, especially these days, there's many of us have been robbed of our joy, yeah. and in Christ yeah. Jesus, there is reason to celebrate, to rejoice. To choose joy. So yeah. I hope you can join us for that. Yeah, me too. I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to it. Well, good. So, yep. Well, don't set your expectations too high. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to let you down. Good. All right. Well, we hope you'll join us too on Sunday uh, here in worship at RLC. And, and we look forward to getting together with you again next week to answer your questions about Sunday's sermon. Yep, and remember, this is a fledgling thing that we're doing. We're not going to do it perfect. And one of the things we heard was the sound isn't the greatest, and we're working on that. 
yep. in the next couple of weeks we should have better sound. Right. So yep. uh, we maybe we'll close in prayer. Sounds great. By we, I'm, it was the royal we. So I met you, right? <laughs> thank Happy you. to do that. <laughs> Lord God, we thank you uh, so much for this time that we've had together today to just dig a little bit deeper into your word and and um, the things that we know and the things that we believe. And so, God, we just ask that you would be with us now through the rest mm, of this week uh, as we anticipate getting together again with the congregation on Sunday. And, um, Lord, we, we just pray that we would be uh, Christ followers who exercise our mind of Christ that we have mm. and that uh, we would continue to look to you for guidance and wisdom and understanding. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We'll see you next time, everybody. Right. Bye. Bye-bye.